0: Welcome to episode 64 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we would like to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Matthew Grant.
1: Elena Embry. Emma. Hey Elsie. Yay.
0: Is that Elsie from Instagram? That's,
1: uh, yeah, she's uh, the, the the baby, the, the best comedian on the internet's mum who does makes jewellery.
0: Oh, yeah. yes. And she does make gorgeous jewellery. Hey Elsie. Joe Smith. Ali M. Heather Harris.
1: Nikita Charlie.
0: Jamie Chambron. Cambron. For fuck's sake. which is so close. (laughs) Jamie Cambron. Maddie. Liz Peterson.
1: Kaylee Hendricks.
0: Melissa Sternberg.
1: Alice Cox.
0: Sarah Noonan and Kieran. Interesting little fact. I lived with Sarah Noonan. Oh. When I lived in Dublin. Hi Sarah Noonan.
1: Uh, Kayla Coughlin. Coughlin. Thank you.
0: Sarah Harvey.
1: Tonya Fuentes.
0: Dylan Kaye.
1: Ian Shrivers.
0: Um, And I think it's Nikita Charlery, by the way. Sorry, Nikita. Ah, yeah, what did I say? Charlie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just didn't see that. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, we're not very, we're not very adept at this, aren't we? So thank you all for being our gorgeous Patreon subscribers. We really appreciate it and we love you. And one week
1: we will go through it all the way without making any mistakes, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) Our film review this week is Signs. Signs was released in 2002. It has 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb and 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a little synopsis? Yes,
1: I would like a little synopsis.
0: Everything that farmer Graham Hess assumed about the world is changed when he discovers a message, an intricate pattern of circles and lines carved into his crops. As he investigates the unfolding mystery, what he finds will forever alter the lives of his brother and children a unique story that explores the mysterious real-life phenomena of crop circles and the effects that they have on one man and his family. What were your thoughts on this film?
1: I thought it was quite an interesting religious movie, really.
0: It's such a religious <laughs> film, isn't it? it's
1: not really about signs from aliens, it's about signs from God. That's the actual story.
0: And I don't know if whether watching it as an adult... Like, this film fucking traumatised me when I was a kid. Like, traumatised me. I can see why. I was so frightened of it back in 2002 when it first came out. But watching it, rewatching it as an adult, I was like, "This is a film about faith," yep. and I just had never made that connection before.
1: So it's a religious movie, with some weird aliens. Well, some re- weird religion to it. But it starts with him as you. Still, one of the first things you see is him in a priest outfit, isn't it? Like very first thing is like I think on the opening sort of segment of the um, titles and that, and then you find out that he's lost his faith. He's not a vicar anymore, and then. Stuff happens with aliens, and then it turns out all the things that he thought were bad all happened for a reason, so that he could defeat aliens.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Do you want to give it a mark out of five? Or?
1: <laughs> I feel like it was just like I don't remember that particular biblical prophecy about the aliens coming. Um, but do you
0: not revelations? Oh, was no? It? no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh,
1: but it was uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's an all right movie. I don't like. I didn't like it the first time I saw it. Particularly, um, I maybe enjoyed it more this time around but it's not one of my favorite films i don't know why i just didn't
0: i i am a big fan of this movie i don't really know why because i do obviously hate aliens do you know i like this movie because it starts very quickly it does the one of the first things that happens is there's a big crop circle in this field yeah and it doesn't actually slow down after that it just keeps amping up and i like that you know People have been complaining on the Facebook group about me not watching films properly. Let me tell you, I watched this film properly because it kept me entertained the whole way through. I'm going to keep interrupting you.
1: (laughs) It does its exposition during the film, doesn't it? Like during the storyline, not at the beginning, which is quite nice. And you still get that exposition, which is really good. And I guess it's really a film about fate, isn't it? That everything happens for a reason. Um, Yeah,
0: both fate and faith. Faith,
1: yeah. Um, which is quite quite good, I guess. And I, I think watching it as an adult this time round maybe enjoyed it a little bit more, but it's still not one of my favourites. I just don't... It just doesn't get... The most exciting thing about it for me was finding out that Macaulay Culkin's younger brother, one of his many younger brothers, was in it.
0: Yeah, he's quite good in it as
1: Rory, I think his name is Rory Culkin. Um, but yeah, I wasn't... Yeah, I'm not enamoured with this one.
0: No, I see, that's... I. I really like it, and I really like the subtlety of it. I mean, until the end... The end is shite, you know. It's one of those classic things where once you see the monster, it loses all its power and loses all its scariness. But the, you know, for a two thousand and two film, the bits, the glimpses that you get of the aliens prior to that are fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I know you didn't find them terrifying, but maybe it's just me. No, no. I think no. I think
1: the glimpses. I think the glimpses of it are creepy. Like when you see the leg. Is it the leg or the arm that you see in the in in the cornfield? Like there are creepy elements to it. Um, I just. I don't think you could have done this film you needed the alien to be on screen to get the reveal about why the little girl leaves the water.
0: Yeah. But also I think or water, as when we say in English, sorry. When we talked about it when we were watching it and 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 you get to the to the end and you see the alien and you go Oh, that's a bit shit. They actually have the alien on screen for a very tiny amount of time. Yeah,
1: and they put him in the shadows as well, so you're not actually looking at him in fully lit. Which you're looking are, which at is a lot a of smart moves.
0: Yeah, and you're looking at a lot of reflections of him and stuff as well, so you don't actually get to see him that often. Which I think was probably because M. Um, Night Shyamalan was like, "Yes, I am aware that's not his name. I just can't pronounce his name. Okay, I'm sorry." Shyamalan. Shamalan. Sham. I
1: don't know how to. I don't know how to pronounce it either.
0: Probably because M Night Shamalan was like this alien is always going to look shit no yeah. matter what I do, so let's give it limited screen time. Yeah,
1: and he is a good director. I know he gets a lot of bad press at times for being a bit odd, but I think he's actually quite a good director. He knows what he's doing.
0: I think he's. Um, I don't know if it was him or somebody else that that is in trouble at the moment for essentially copying an entire film.
1: That's yeah, potentially him.
0: Potentially, <laughs> I don't know. But I am. Um, I enjoyed this film. So what what are you going to give it out of five? I'm
1: going to give it a three an Emma Special as it's now known.
0: Three I out see of five. a three out of five. So I am going to give it a four out of five because I think for its time, for 2002, it was a very scary film and I'm never going to let that go. And it really fucked me up when I watched it. it I really can see I can up. see
1: why it would scare you. I just I don't I, don't, I haven't seen Bar Aliens. <laughs> I haven't seen it, which is supposed to be like terrifying. I haven't really seen an alien film that scared me. Like properly scared me. Yeah, jump, A few jump scares maybe.
0: I can deal with like Independence Day, like spaceships in the sky that are threatening. I can deal with that. I and don't I find that, that scary. But
1: the aliens in Independence Day are, re- are just like yeah, but
0: you don't see them till the end. Yeah, they? and
1: they're really gross. They're not like you don't. You're just more repulsed, I think, than anything else because yeah. they split them open and all that, don't know, all that jazz.
0: So I'm giving Signs four out of five. You're giving Signs three out of five. There you go. That leads us to our stories this week.
1: Okay, so we're doing about ghosts in castles.
0: No, surprisingly not. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about the Men in Black?
1: It's a movie with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, and the new one's got Chris Hemingway and some other one, not Hemingway Hemsworth. Don't know who Chris Hemingway is. Have Chris Hemsworth in it and someone else, a famous female actor. actor. I can't remember her name, but yeah, it's a movie. I always thought they were CIA agents, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? In in real law, in actual law, I always thought they were just CIA.
0: So I'm a bit fascinated by The Men in Black, not the movie. Although I loved the movie when I was younger I did like the first one, yeah, definitely. I was always really fascinated by The Men in Black, because it's this kind of Reddit, YouTube, deep dive phenomenon about The Men in Black coming knocking on your door. I kind of, I'm a bit like, if we talk about them, are we going to get a fucking visit?
1: We're more likely to get The Men in White Coats, to be honest.
0: Oh, that's a very good point. <laughs> so I did some um, research about the men in black. And I thought you might like to... Um...
1: Yeah, I love stuff like this. this I know you do. <laughs> I'm sorry
0: to disappoint everybody with Dan's. i yeah, got me frightened this no, episode. No, not in the slightest. But I do need you to get your thinking cap on because you're going to have to think about some theories.
1: I do need to know, are they generally all male? yes hmm.
0: well no there are some incidences well there was this really weird story i found on reddit about the men in black coming to a cafe and it was like a man and a woman and they were like fondling each other opposite the couple and i was like i think you've just <laughs> i think i think you've sort of just been
1: <laughs> maybe they're doing one of those um i
0: think it was you were just sat with some perverts like I maybe don't, it was a role play date maybe it was and the other <laughs> people weren't in on yeah. it and they were like um are you the men in black and they're like oh yeah is that what you're into men in black? <laughs> but i read it i read that story and i was like i don't think that's the men in black so i'm not even gonna read that one out are you ready yes i actually so am this week my research today comes from thought catalogue i've got history.com i've got cool interesting Stuff. history.com yes
1: oh my word
0: and i've also got the guardian newspaper wow so, so
1: legit well yeah Well, as legit as they come, I guess, on the internet.
0: Yeah, so are you ready? I am. Depending on who you ask, the Men in Black are either another nutty UFO conspiracy or they are part of a secret governmental agency designed to prevent the public from learning more about UFOs. The Men in Black always appear unannounced, are usually clad in black business suits and warn people to give up their research into UFOs or face dire consequences. In many cases... The men in black have also seen aliens. In some accounts they are aliens themselves, or some form of demonic supernaturals. But why would the government want to suppress information about UFOs? As the theory goes, it's because aliens are closer to us than you think. They might actually be everywhere. And if ordinary citizens realised just how real the threat was, there would be mass panic and a breakdown of the social order. In all of their different incarnations, the Men in Black usually have one main purpose. To muzzle witnesses of strange paranormal phenomena. They almost always wear black suits and hats with dark sunglasses, drive black cars and arrive in groups of two or three. Some describe them as one would an FBI agent. While others recall the Men in Black as having strange appearances, sometimes with supernatural features like glowing eyes and strange complexions. It's possible that the story of the Men in Black, the mysterious figures that would become the subject of fascination in the UFO conspiracy circles and eventually break into mainstream popular culture, can be traced back to one single day. June 27th, 1947. It's quite possible that it all started with a man, a boy and a dog on a boat. As the story goes, Harold Dahl was on a conservation mission on the Puget Sound near the eastern shore of Washington's Maury Island, gathering logs, when he saw six donut-shaped objects hovering about half a mile above his boat. Before long, one of them fell nearly 1,500 feet, followed by raining metallic debris, some of which hit Dal's son, Charles, on his arm, as well as the family dog, who didn't survive the ordeal. Hmm. Dal was able to take some pictures of the aircraft with his camera which he later showed to his supervisor, Fred Chrisman. A sceptical Chrisman went back to the scene to look for himself and saw a strange aircraft with his own eyes. The following morning Dal was visited by a man in a black suit. They ended up at a local diner where the man was able to recount in extraordinary detail what Dal had just experienced. What I have said is proof to you. That I know a great deal more about this experience of yours than you will want to believe, the man said. According to author Gray Barker's book, They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, which he released in 1956. So we're going to pause there for a second. We'll come back to Dal later. Okay. What are your thoughts so far?
1: CIA.
0: Just full stop?
1: Yeah, FBI maybe.
0: Why? Why Why would they bother?
1: Because How do they know first of all and why do they bother? Russian aircraft and not UFOs. Okay. Uh military tech from Russia during the Cold War. Don't want to cause a panic, trying to shut it down.
0: Interesting.
1: That's my theory. For okay. that one.
0: That's your theory. Yeah. So this all started with well, apparently this all started with Harold Dahl's story. Okay. And there's another really, really famous men in black story. Okay. From a man called Dr. Herbert Hopkins. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Dr. Herbert Hopkins, a 58-year-old doctor and hypnotist, was acting as consultant on an alleged UFO teleportation case in Maine. One evening, when his wife and children had gone out, leaving him alone, the telephone rang, and a man identifying himself as vice president of the New Jersey UFO Research Organization asked if he might visit Dr. Hopkins that evening, To discuss certain details of the case. The doctor agreed. At the time it seemed the natural thing to do. He went to the back door to switch on the lights so that the visitor would be able to find his way from the parking lot. But while he was there he noticed the man already climbing the porch steps. I saw no car and even if he did have a car he could not have possibly gotten to my house that quickly from any phone. Hopkins later commented in delayed astonishment. The doctor found himself acting out of character, allowing a person into his house while he was alone, despite a history of crime in the area, failing to inquire as to his name but nevertheless listening without any fear at all. His dog reacted differently. As the man entered, the dog barked and, uncharacteristically, hid in the closet with his tail between his legs. He wore a white shirt and white gloves, but his trousers, jacket, tie, shoes and derby were all black. He appeared not to fill out his sleeves or trousers. The crease on his pants remained razor sharp, even at the knees, when he sat down. As he took off his hat, it became apparent that he lacked both hair and eyebrows. Hang on. <laughs> That's right. Are
1: you a man in black? Oh no, you've got hair.
0: I am. I I. I'm devastated by the description <laughs> of them as having no eyebrows. I would like to say that just because I have no eyebrows does not mean I work for a secret governmental organisation, okay? Is that true? That is true. Really? And, you know, I think that's really eyebrow or lack of eyebrow there are many of us out there with no eyebrows.
1: I think it's just quite an imposing uh, look though, isn't it? Because if you think there was a swimmer in the 80s called Duncan Goodhute who had like full-blown alopecia, so he had no hair on his head or his eyebrows. Yeah. And he was just a very imposing face, just like Luigi Collina, that referee that's the same. Well, I guess... It's just it, a very re- memorable look, isn't it?
0: When I don't have any eyebrows on, it completely changes my face. Yeah. And I do look quite alarming. Hmm. I think alarming is the right word to use.
1: Yeah, well, I wasn't going to go down that road. I am... I went
0: into work one day with no eyebrows on and somebody literally looked at me and went oh my god what's wrong with your face (laughs) and I was like I just have no eyebrows on okay fucking never doing this again (laughs) I was just trying to you know practice some self-love not wear eyebrows (laughs) in and that's how people responded his small nose and small ears were set low his chin receded and his face was deathly white except for a vivid red gash of a mouth In the course of their conversation he happened to brush his lips with his grey suede gloves and the doctor was astonished to see that his lips were smeared and the gloves were stained with lipstick. It was only afterwards, however, that Dr. Hopkins reflected further on the strangeness of his visitor's appearance and behaviour. Apparently satisfied with the information gathered from Hopkins, the man in black changed the subject. He informed Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pocket, which was correct, and asked him to remove one. Hopkins complied and held the coin, a shiny new penny, in the palm of his hand. The MIB told Hopkins to watch the coin closely. After a few moments, the coin took on a silvery appearance and then appeared to be going out of focus. It then began to fade and eventually disappeared altogether. The MIB informed Hopkins that the coin would never be seen on this plane again. He then inquired as to whether Hopkins was familiar with alleged UFO abductee Barney Hill. Hopkins replied that he had heard of Hill, but was under the impression that he had died in the not-too-distant past. The MIB informed Hopkins that that was correct. Barney didn't have a heart, said the MIB, just like you no longer have a coin. It should be noted that Barney Hill actually died of a cerebral hemorrhage. The MIB then gently suggested that Hopkins destroy any material he had related to the Stevens case. At this point, his speech started to slow down. Rising slowly and unsteadily to his feet, he said very slowly, My energy is running low. Must go now. Goodbye. Clinging to the railing, he climbed down the stairs, first one foot on a step, then bringing the other down next to it rather than going one foot after another like a healthy person. Dr. Hopkins saw a bright light shining up the driveway, brighter than an automobile headlight and bluish white in colour, although no light had been present when he had arrived. Rushing to the kitchen window, the doctor looked out to watch him, but the light was gone. He ran out onto the front porch, but saw no car leaving. Not only that, but the stranger walked in the diametrically opposite direction to the way he had arrived, not towards the driveway but towards an impenetrable hedge. The doctor went out onto the front porch to watch for him but he never turned up. Not surprisingly he was so scared that he willingly complied with his visitor's instruction. Hopkins sat down at the kitchen table to digest what he had just experienced but before doing so he pulled his revolver out of a drawer just to be on the safe side. It didn't take him long to decide what he was going to do he went to the other room, gathered all the material from the Stevens case, demagnetized the tapes, cut them up into a thousand pieces and then, for good measure, burned them along with some other documents related to the case. Subsequently, curious incidences continued to occur both in Dr Hopkins' household and in that of his eldest son. He presumed that there was some link with the extraordinary visit, but he never heard from his visitor again. As for the New Jersey UFO Research Organisation, no such institution exists. When the rest of the family eventually returned, they all went out with a light to examine the driveway. The only marks they found were what looked like a small caterpillar tractor treading about 4 inches wide and about 18 inches long. The driveway was so narrow it would have been impossible for any automobile's tyre to get into the centre where the marks were. They were also too deep and distinct for motorcycles. Also, of course, they were too short. By morning they were gone, though no one had used the driveway in the interval. Not long after, Hopkins began experiencing trouble with his own telephone. He often picked it up to find the line dead or filled with static, and his patients began to complain that when they called he either didn't answer his phone or they would get a voice falsely claiming that his number was out of service. On those occasions when a connection was successfully made, it was often mysteriously broken in the middle of the conversation. The local phone company determined that Hopkins' phone line was definitely being tampered with, but were at a loss to explain how or by whom. Okay. Thoughts?
1: It's very clear what this one is. Um, It is a vampire working for the government in the UFO research department.
0: I see. Why would the government hire a vampire to work in the UFO research department? There's
1: very little suitable jobs for vampires. I see. Government positions, anyway.
0: Do you feel like the government has a whole host of cryptids secretly working in different governmental agencies? I think
1: the ones that can be successfully rehabilitated, probably.
0: I think it's very judgmental for you to say that all cryptids need to be rehabilitated.
1: Well, I I feel like Bigfoot... Doing working in the mailroom would be a bit of a shock, to be honest. So where do you think
0: Mothman would work?
1: Um he does aerial clearance services for space debris.
0: Stunning. So he intercepts I, it before he I hits. heard that the Loch Ness Monster works in pensions.
1: No okay. You're wrong. He, oh really? Yeah, he does um underwater sewage fixing. You know oh, when see. the you know the pipes that run underwater when they burst, mm. he does that for them. The reason I say it's a vampire is because he was invited in so therefore he must be a vampire he had blood on his mouth or lipstick very pale and he, he's is an energy drained
0: i sort of feel like if you were the government and you were creating the secret agency of like secret mib people I, I like if if they're going to be that weird looking why would you be arsed to put lipstick on them
1: yeah, that's true, actually.
0: Unless it's a fashion statement. Unless it's... On, in which case, by all means, you and go for actually, it. Actually,
1: yeah, maybe it was his choice. Maybe he looked in the mirror and he's like, I can't do anything about my eyebrows. Actually, I quite like this no eyebrows, no hair look. But I do look a bit weird with no lips as well. So yeah. So I'm I'll just gonna, put some, some lipstick lips on. on. Okay. a little bit more. And
0: maybe in the office, everyone was too awkward to say to him, yeah. actually, it's not really good look. Yeah. So my, they just let him go for it.
1: My other theory is a little bit more sane. Okay. I Maybe it's like an alien scout. Okay. So it's like one of the aliens.
0: Yeah. Who's desperately trying to look like a human and failing miserably. Yeah, and
1: trying to send and been sent in to kind of intercept how much we found out by mistake.
0: Interesting. Because how do you
1: explain what he did with the coin?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's also the possibility that uh, Dr. Hopkins is a big fucking liar.
1: Or Dr. Hopkins has taken a few too many prescribed meds
0: and like you know dr hopkins is the only one that witnessed this whole situation and then conveniently had to destroy all of the evidence from the stevens case so i'm wondering did dr hopkins wife right she's like herbert i cannot deal with you fucking obsessing over ufos anymore and in a big passionate rage she, she destroys all of his evidence and he's like I can't tell the lads that my wife destroyed all my evidence. I'll be a laughing stock. So he creates this big story about the MIBs. He's read Harold's case. Well, he maybe. knows Dal's case, and he's like, "I know. I uh, he apparently had a guy in a fucking black suit. Yeah. I'm just gonna make it a little bit more detailed.
1: Maybe it was his wife, and that explains the lipstick. But he just wasn't aware that she wore a wig.
0: And also, you know, would you know me when I don't have my eyebrows on? No. no. I often frighten you when I do my yep, know I often done.
1: think it's an alien.
0: Okay, we're rambling. Yeah, <laughs> we are. I want to revisit the Harold Dahl case.
1: I do actually think it was an alien, by the way. The vampire thing was maybe being stupid, but I do actually think it was an alien in this case.
0: Okay, so you think it's an alien in disguise? In this case. In this case. The
1: first one was definitely CIA.
0: So the Harold Dahl situation kind of became the foundation for the men in black and for UFO conspiracy theories and for UFO enthusiasts. That is their, like genesis story essentially that and roswell obviously so i'm going to revisit the howard Dahl case okay the supposed events of maury island have continued to fuel conspiracy theories to this day even though a u.s government investigation deemed it a hoax after Dahl and crimson later admitted as such in particular the mention of the man in black suit would evolve into a key obsession for ufo enthusiasts And spread into American popular culture thanks to a comic book series and a blockbuster movie trilogy. The transformation of the story from a first press report to a folkloric tale to a comic book and now to a film illustrates how the myth is transformed, wrote Phil Patton in the New York Times around the time of the first Men in Black movie in 1997. The process is not unlike the children's game of telephone or what the literary critic Harold Bloom calls innovation by misinterpretation. Sticking with the telephone analogy, the first call was made to Kenneth Arnold, a pilot who had his own alleged UFO sighting on June the 24th 1947 near Mount Rainier in Washington. Though it happened three days after the Maury Island incident, it was the first widely reported sighting and it touched off the saucer sensation, as was written in a 1949 government report on flying saucers. This report states that Dahl, and Crimson reached out to a Chicago magazine in an attempt to sell their story, and the magazine editor then contacted Arnold, hoping he could help verify their account. Arnold then summoned two officers of Army A2 intelligence to aid in the investigation of Dal and Crimson's claim, according to report. In July 1947, two Army A2 intelligence officers came to investigate. After leaving in their B-25 the next day, the plane caught fire and crashed, killing both officers and doing nothing to quiet UFO conspiracists. But the Maury Island story gained little notice in the UFO community until Barker's 1956 book, in which he wrote of his file on the Maury Island case, that largely consisted of the writings by Ray Palmer, the Chicago magazine editor referred to in the government's report. Barker went on to connect the dots between the man who wore the black suit, who took Dahl to breakfast, and three similarly dressed men who allegedly visited a young UFO enthusiast named Albert K. Bender in 1953. It was Bender who almost single-handedly ushered in the plague of the men in black, just as Arnold inaugurated the era of the UFO. Ufologist Nick Redfern wrote in his book The Real Men in Black, but it was Barker's book that told Bender's story thus introducing the concept of the Men in Black to a much wider audience. It still has an important legacy, said Robert Schaefer, a UFO researcher. Before his publication, nobody outside a very narrow group of subscribers to Flying Saucer newsletters had ever heard of Bender or the Men in Black. Barker describes Bender's visitors as three men in black suits with threatening expressions on their faces. Three men who walk in on you and make certain demands. Three men who know that you know what the Flying Saucers really are. Bender, in his own 1962 book Flying Saucers and the Three Men, described the MIB in much more frightening language. They floated about a foot off the floor. They looked like clergymen, but wore hats similar to Homburg style. Their faces were not clearly discernible, for their hats partly hid and shaded them the eyes of all three figures suddenly lit up like flashing bulbs. They seemed to burn into my very soul as the pains above my eyes became almost unbearable, wrote Bender. Barker would go on to write several more books related to the paranormal and UFOs, including 1970's The Silver Bridge, which helped spread the story of another popular paranormal figure, the creature known as Mothman. But how much of his writing was done in good faith has been called into question by many in the UFO research community. Barker made it clear to me that he did not take the MIB or Mothman very seriously, said Schaefer, who corresponded with Barker on occasion. However, he believed that there was still something mysterious about the whole UFO and paranormal thing. Regardless of Barker's motives, countless MIB encounters have been reported since they knew too much was published nearly 60 years ago. So, to clarify, hmm. Dal's case was a hoax. He admitted as much. He admitted as much. They wanted to make loads of money. I'm very aware I've referred to Dal's boss as Crimson parts of the way through this and Chrisman and others. My laptop autocorrected Chrisman to Crimson. Fine. Let's just continue.
1: I thought it was like his code name.
0: <laughs> very shit code name. <laughs> <Yeah>. Incredibly close <laughs> to his real name. <laughs> I'd be like if my code name was Gemma. Yeah. <laughs> well fucking useless. The reality is, is that there have been genuinely countless MIB reports in the last sixty years. Like countless. Yeah. So what are your thoughts?
1: Well, the rational part of me, which I really dislike. You
0: have was... a rational part.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very small. I keep it small that's that it's that small still voice that I try and quieten down. Would suggest that it's just some it's just leaked into popular culture now. And men in black show up because that tends to be the general, like, the sort of go-to dress code for the FBI in this era. Because yeah. you see, like, pictures of Hoover and stuff like that in black suits and black ties. It's just just what they wore.
0: But how do we explain, then, the be MI, the that show up that are floating off the ground with flashlight eyes? I think or... we
1: explain that as bullshit. <laughs> that's bullshit. So I I've got th- some theories for you. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I love a theory.
0: Theory number one. Vampires. I'm going to try that again without interruption. (laughs) Theory number one. The MIB are demonic entities.
1: Maybe. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Unless aliens are demonic.
0: They're pretty shit demonic entities if they're demonic entities. They don't really do anything. No. Just fanning around doing magic tricks. Anybody
1: yeah. can fucking do that. Yeah, and I don't see what the purpose of it is. You know, like demons are like to corrupt you or to lead you astray or to turn you away from God.
0: Maybe they're like demons in training, so they're not quite brave enough to properly corrupt you yet. And they're like, they they have these little che- checklists of things that they have to do. and One of them is like make a coin disappear in front of a human. You know, I guess
1: in a sort of really elaborate way, if they're showing up to convince you of the existence of UFOs, then I guess it's kind of going against the idea that we're the only intelligent life form which is a biblical thing so maybe they are really bad demons like just in training and this like the baby steps they do the minor corruption and then someone else comes along to like possess them later on gotcha (laughs) but no i don't think they're demons demons
0: (laughs) theory number two yep the men in black are aliens
1: stronger possibility because they're trying to cover up the traces aren't they as well I mean, trying.
0: badly, because they left, like, tracks behind. Literal, literal tyre tracks in that case.
1: Yeah, but, like, there's plenty of farm machinery that's got, like, Caterpillar tracks on it. Um, I don't know why someone from the FBI would rock up in a tractor. <laughs> 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 but, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's probably more like, if there's no record of these men in black, like, I don't know, they're, if they're destroying the evidence every time they rock up, then that that would make sense. Or maybe they're just intelligence gathering. Yeah, maybe. And they're just trying to work out what we're seeing. Like, like scouting. Yeah. I think it's stronger than the money. I don't get yeah, the number one. I'm saying no. Number two is my favourite out of the two so far.
0: Theory number three. Okay. Everyone who was told an MIB story was either making it up or mistaken.
1: No. Why not? Too many people. Too many people.
0: I sort of feel like the um, the, the MIB thing is like, I think in modern speak it's potentially people who have weird experiences definitely and then attribute it to the men in black because they've read about it on a reddit forum before. But I do I agree with you on that one. I don't think everybody's making it up.
1: I think it's probably I think it's probably government agencies in reality, isn't it? That but
0: theory number 4.
1: <laughs> I wonder what that could be.
0: The men in black are a real government agency.
1: I would think that this is probably the one that makes the most sense as much as I really want to go with aliens I think this is the one that probably makes the most sense because there are there are clearly government departments that we don't know exist dealing with various different things definitely don't want to think about what some of the others are about it would make sense if there's any form of even if it is just like I said at the start that it's like a political power with increased technology they're going to want to know about it. They're going to have a government... They're going to have a agency to deal with that. Even if it's not actually looking at alien tech. Because there's no such thing. I'm not saying there isn't. But, you know. Then, yeah, there must be. I think it's, I think it's probably a government agency.
0: So, I believe the men in black are real. Okay. And I also believe it's a government agency. Oh, I
1: thought he was going to say demons then. I was like, oh my god.
0: The reason why, in my research, I found a Guardian article from 2014 which was really interesting I read it and I was like, this is so fucking clever. So, hidden among the avalanche of documents leaked by Edward Snowden were images from a PowerPoint presentation by GCHQ entitled The Art of Deception, training for a new generation of online covert operations. Images included Camouflaged moths, inflatable tanks, women in burkas and complex diagrams plastered with jargon, buzzwords and slogans. Disruption operational playbook. Swap the real for the false and vice versa. People make decisions as part of groups. And beneath a shot of hands shuffling a deck of cards. We want to build cyber magicians. Curiously, sandwiched in the middle of the document are three photographs of UFOs. Not real ones. Classic fakes. One was a hubcap, another was a bunch of balloons, and one that turned out to be a seagull.
1: (laughs) How? (laughs) That's going to be the biggest miss. Okay, the hubcap, I get. The shape, balloons, weather balloons, we know. Seagull. (laughs) Okay, interesting. I need to look at that photo at some point. I mean, I don't know why that's so funny. Because it's a seagull.
0: Have you ever seen a seagull in a suit of armor? There you go.
1: Seagull. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a... This is the stupidest episode we've ever
0: done. <laughs> Devout ufologists might seize upon this as further proof that our governments know something about aliens and their transportation methods, but really, it suggests the opposite. The UFO community is a textbook case of a gullible group susceptible to manipulation, having spent too long watching the skies and the X Files it's implied they'll readily swallow whatever snippet of evidence suits their grand theory. If there really is a UFO conspiracy, it's surely the worst-kept secret in history. Roswell, Area 51, flashing lights, little green men, abductions. It's all been fed through the pop culture mill to the point of fatigue. Even the supposed enforcers of the secret, the Men in Black, have their own movie franchise. But a new documentary, Mirage Men, Unearths compelling evidence that UFO folklore was actually fabricated by the US government. Rather than covering up the existence of aliens, could it be that the real conspiracy has been persuading us to believe in them? Mirage Men's chief coup is to land an actual man in black, a former Air Force Special Investigations Officer named Richard Doty, who admits to having infiltrated UFO circles. A fellow UFO researcher says, Doty had this wonderful way to sell it. I'm with the government. You cooperate with us and I'm going to tell you what the government really knows about UFOs, deep down in those vaults. Doty and his colleagues fed credulous ufologists lies and half-truths, knowing their fertile imaginations would do the rest. In return, they were apprised of chatter from the community, thus alerting the military when anyone was getting close to their top secret technology. And if the Soviets thought the US really was communicating with aliens, then all the better. The classic case, well known to conspiracy aficionados, is Paul Benowitz, a successful electronics entrepreneur in New Mexico. In 1979, Benowitz started seeing strange lights in the sky and picking up weird transmissions on his amateur equipment. The fact that he lived just across the road from Kirtland Air Force Base should have set alarm bells ringing, but Benowitz was convinced these phenomena were of extraterrestrial origin. Being a good patriot, he contacted the Air Force who realised that far from eavesdropping on E.T., Benowitz was inadvertently eavesdropping on them. Instead of making him stop, though, Doty and other officers told Benowitz they were interested in his findings. That encouraged Benowitz to dig deeper. Within a few years, he was interpreting alien languages, spotting crashed alien craft in the hills from his plane, he was an amateur pilot, and sounding the alert for a full-scale invasion. All the time, the investigators were surveying him, surveying them. They gave Benowitz computer software that interpreted the signals and even dumped fake props for him to discover. The mania took over Benowitz's life. And in 1988, his family checked him into a psychiatric facility. But there's plenty more like this. As Mirage Men discovers, central tenets of the UFO belief system turn out to have far earthlier origins. Mysterious cattle mutilations in the 1970s in New Mexico turn out to have been officials furtively investigating radiation in livestock after they'd conducted an ill-advised experiment in underground nuclear fracking. Test pilots for the military's experimental silent helicopters admit to attaching flashing lights to their craft to fool civilians. Doty himself comes across as a slippery character, to say the least. He remains an absolute enigma, says Mark Pilkinton, writer of the book Mirage Men, the basis for the documentary. He found the retired Doty working as a traffic cop in a small New Mexico town. Some of what he said was true, and I'm sure a lot of it wasn't, or was a version of the truth. I've no doubt Rick was at the bottom of a ladder that stretches all the way to Washington. It's unclear to what extent he was following orders, or to what extent he was taking matters into his own hands. There's something else that ufologists are a textbook example of. Cognitive dissonance. The mental distress of trying to hold two conflicting worldviews simultaneously. The term was coined in the 1950s by psychologist Leon Festinger, who illustrated it with the example of a UFO cult shattered by the unfulfilled prophecy of an alien visitation. Some tenacious devotees still refuse to accept the Mirage Men's findings, says Pilkington. If beliefs are strongly held, nothing can sway them, and anything that appears to undermine them will just be absorbed and repurposed. So if you're really, really dedicated, this is just chaff to throw you off the trail. Pilkington himself has been accused of working for MI5, or being a stooge controlled by the government, if not the aliens. If I'm under intelligent control from somewhere else, then I'm unaware of it, and I'm a victim, and it will be against my programming for me to be able to prove it, he reasons. As always, in the conspiracy theory Hall of Mirrors, it's possible to flip the hypothesis on its head. What if the lies and hoaxes Mirage men reveal are simply a smokescreen for the fact that the authorities really do know the secrets about extraterrestrials? What better way to conceal them than by getting found out in their disinformation tactics? What better way of throwing skeptics off the scent than disseminating the confessions of an ex-man in black? like Richard Doty in documentaries and articles in respectable new organisations, like this one. Perhaps we're no closer to knowing if the truth is really out there, but we can be sure the lies are. What are your thoughts?
1: Okay, so this is crazy because I've just opened a can of worms in my head now. Why? Well, because you've got a choice, haven't you? It's Eva, Aliens, which is a crazy conspiracy theory or it's the government false feeding us information to cover up their own military military operations yeah which is a crazy conspiracy
0: so either way (laughs) it's a fucking conspiracy
1: yeah and the thing is actually in today's day and age day, day in today's day and age is that even right
0: in this day and age in this day
1: and age it's almost less crazy to say that you believe in ufos than it is to say that the government's covering up a military operation or military tech or something along those lines always purposely disseminating information to cover what cover up what they're doing
0: i mean they absolutely like they absolutely were they were feeding people if people were getting close to discovering stuff that they were creating they'd be like oh it's a ufo you say interesting tell us all about it let us fucking feed this mad conspiracy so that nobody knows the tech that we're making and really they were just like you know 60 years ago they were just trying to keep it from the Russians because um,
1: I've always been convinced that Roswell was actually like a test a, a military test flight
0: of new really? tech really
1: yeah I always thought I've always thought that was actually the case rather than it being aliens but I also don't think we can, I, I don't think we can be the only intelligent life form in this universe so See, I've got cognitive dissonance now <laughs> have you yes is your brain going to implode because I believe You're... everything Imagine how much cognitive dissonance <laughs> goes on in my head.
0: You are just cognitive dissonance. I
1: believe the, un- the the stuff that people don't believe and then I also believe the arguments that counteract that. So I'm believing everything.
0: Oh, bless you. Are you actually going to explode? Possibly. Uh, someday, like your hair is just going <laughs> to... Scanners. Gonna, we're going to do this podcast. Your hair will just <laughs> poof, fall out of your head, just disappear. And I'll be like, oh, are you okay? And you'll be like, no, I'm not okay. I'm not okay with this.
1: I just feel like obviously there's so much tech that we don't know about and all good tech comes from the military in the first place yeah and like the nuclear bomb when we developed that in the 40s we being the human race i'm not taking any credit for it personally um was massive discovery massive bit of science wasn't it like tech beyond we could ever anything we could ever imagine
0: that destructive power yeah that destructive power
1: and um weaponized Obviously. And uh, it's all about being one step ahead. And as crazy as it sounds, Donald Trump's Space Force is the same thing, isn't it? It's about having that first military step into space.
0: Yeah, and that's like... I mean, I just feel like... I've seen alien films, you know? I've seen aliens. And having a Space Force is just asking for trouble. They're never friendly.
1: But again, I don't think Space Force... In Donald Trump's mind, or in the political advisors behind that, space, the Space Force I isn't it's about not, I defending know it's aliens. About aliens. It's about, def- about colonising space.
0: Yes, and it's about using weapons from space as well, if necessary. Yeah. But it's fucking aliens, you know? Aliens are going to look at that and they're going to go, Earth are weaponizing space? Are you fucking kidding me? Let's kind of like in this.
1: Science. They're coming back to wipe us out. Like in Science. Because they gave us the tech in the Egyptian times and... Yeah. We're misusing it.
0: We are absolutely mental this episode. All they
1: did was teach us maths, like geometry and stuff in Egyptian times. And then they're like, oh man, they've gone a step too far with this maths thing. Now they're creating bombs and stuff. They'll be back.
0: And on that note, would you like some new reviews? Let's go for it. We have one from Stevie275, which is entitled Awesome. Find this podcast by accident. And I'm glad I did. I love the pair of you, Dan and Emma. The podcasts are scary, funny, and well researched. Emma has an awesome reading voice. Keep up the good work and don't change the format. Would love to go out for a drink with this pair. Steve from Coventry. Steve and we're in Coventry. We're going to fucking hit, hit, hit you up babe. We're going to finally hit you. We're, like, we're going to hit you. <laughs> Full stuff. <stop. laughs> but we're going to hit you up. And the second one comes from Maxi Twist. Unreal listen. I've started walking to work just so I can binge the episodes. Cannot recommend enough. I love how Em and Dan eases into movies and spooky stories and it's so nice to feel like we as listeners can join in at any time as they frequently read out their subscribers' own experiences. I'm obsessed with how chill they are and I personally love hearing all the old Irish stories I haven't heard in years. So class to hear some genuine Irish folklore out there coming from someone who grew up hearing it too. Go on you fine things.
1: How does it feel that you, having revealed last week that you'd rather die than run away from something? How does it feel that you've encouraged someone to be healthy through a podcast? Now walking quite to work, disgusted.
0: <laughs> it goes against everything I believe in. <laughs> yeah. And finally, the new Mulder and Scully. Ooh. from Blackfish One Three? I just came across this podcast by chance after listening to many ghosts and supernatural podcasts. I struggled to be able to relate to the people doing the podcast. I have been interested in the paranormal since I was a kid. Listening to the first episode discussing a great personal story, I was hooked. I also relate to the host when they mentioned the crow should do an episode on the myth and the death of Bruce and Brandon. They love ghost adventures. Ha ha. And wrestling. The film and TV reviews at the start are also cool. Totally agree with your review of conjuring two. Awesome. Thank you so much for your reviews. That's cool. we should do. an episode. I about, have to say this. with them, um, with the amount of, we, we've got quite a few new listeners yeah. in the last while. Thank you, Buzzfeed XOXO. Um, And with that comes some bad reviews. (laughs) So if you enjoy our podcast, please go leave us nice reviews so that I don't feel sad when I read bad reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, which was completely mental.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit.
0: I'm sorry it was so mental. I didn't expect it to be as mental as it was.
1: I kind of enjoyed it though, although my brain is now fried. So I don't know how we're going to record all these other ones. I don't know how we're going to do it either, but we're just going to have to try.
0: If you enjoyed this week's episode, you can... Come and follow us on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Real Life Ghost Stories. Dan is on Instagram.
1: At 50p Movie Club.
0: You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, at Real Ghost Pod. You can email us in your stories to Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also contact us on Facebook. We are on Facebook at Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast. That's our Facebook page. And we are also on facebook on our super secret group which is orlgs supergroup on facebook come and join us there and the answer to the question is emma and dan you can also join us on patreon where you get an extra episode a week for five dollars a month that is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories
1: i'm so glad you know all that information i, I struggle to remember the two bits i have to say <laughs> <laughs>
0: if we are not here next week it is because we have been visited by the MIB
1: we'll um, we'll leave a a distress podcast to send out yeah we'll leave a little SOS (laughs) beep 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 beep
0: and you'll all know to come looking for us and on that note we shall see you next week bye